God's house and we want to worship Him this morning, continue to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Ask God to open your understanding to His holy word. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 84 and verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. I'd like to minister this morning on truth over treasure. Every time. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. book of Proverbs, the writer told us in verse, chapter 15 and verse 16, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. The Bible is trying to show you that what the New Testament used the terminology, the true riches. And there are things that are far beyond value of anything on earth. God is offering things that are far beyond anything that you might value on the earth. He has things that uh, we're not really able to comprehend too well, and yet when you get involved with the church, the body of Christ, remember, this is the church house. Thing. That's physical. We're talking to you of spiritual things. And when you begin to see the spiritual realm, you begin to be, shall we say, yield yourself to the tug and the pull of the spiritual realm. There's nobody here that can really, uh, right here, right now, resist gravity. It, it's having its effect right now throw something up in the air, it's going to come down, and it's having an effect on every one of us, though sometimes we are not really aware of it. You can have a couch, and after a while you'll notice that the pillow gets depressed a little bit. Gravity, before you sit on it, gravity will take its effect over a period of time. Uh, it also keeps us from floating away. Of course, when they go into outer space on the moon, for an example, then there is uh, less of that, and so they have to counterbalance that so they don't float away. Uh, gravity has its uh, good parts to it, good characteristics to it. But there is a gravitational pull in the spirit, if you please. And there is that of God. For an example, the Bible tells you no man can come except the spirit draw him. God has a, a spiritual gravitational pull. In the natural realm, for an example, the reason a plane can fly is because it's able to overcome gravity with another type of force. And you want to understand that there's a lot of pull on you, on your heart, in this world, and would attempt to get you very connected and very enthused and very busy, very overloaded and excessive. 
in the things of this life. But you can overcome that. There are, one writer, one man was recorded this way. Jesus told him to only believe. In other words, I'm telling you things, and the things that I'm telling you, what I'm telling you, if you'll only believe them, then your problem, your situation can be taken care of. And the man cried out with tears, and he said, Lord, I believe. He said, help thou my unbelief. There's another force at work here. There's something that, that is keeping me back, something that is causing my heart, my mind to go in different directions, something that is uh, restraining me here. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not able to get over the hump, so to speak. I'm not able to, to get to where I need to get to. I, I, I do believe you, but I, I know that there's this force here, and I, I need to overcome it. And there are, as I said, there in the natural, there are forces that can be generated and put to use that can help you to overcome gravitational pull in the, in the natural realm. Well, so there, are, there is a provision made for to help you and me and everybody, that whosoever will, to overcome the force. The Bible calls him the prince and the power of the air, and that he comes to blind the mind of men and women, lest at any time you should see the glorious light that shines in the face of Jesus Christ through this gospel. The enemy wants to keep you from seeing what God has, enjoying what God has, experiencing what God has for you. And remember, what he has for you is not in this life only, but it is in the world to come. Everybody said amen. Give God a big hand. There, is, uh, there are many examples of people who have chosen rather to choose God. They have chosen rather to say, I want you, God. I want what you have. I want what you're offering. I want what uh, is, is made here by your divine providence. You've provided here. You've made this available. You, uh, one place he said, I've stretched my hands out, figuratively speaking, all day long. And there were some people that said no, but there were others that said yes. There were those that said, I want what you have. The writer said, I'd rather dwell in the house of the Lord. I'd rather choose God. I'd rather choose what he's offering. Now, when you do that, you're going to have to understand that you're going to have to uh, push away some things, resist some things, say no to some things, close your eyes to some things, uh, delete some things out of your computer like mind and heart and say, I don't want those things anymore. I don't want to chase after those things. I don't want to lust after those things. I do not want to desire strongly those things. I want to reset my heart here. And I want to, I want to get it on God. I want, what did uh, Romans say uh, about minding the things of the Spirit? I want to get my mind on the things that are spiritual. And to do so, I've got to start overcoming here the opposite force that is, is coming against me. The enemy is here, and we're not bragging on him, but we're conscious of the fact that he is here, that he is, he permeates the atmosphere and the environment. He does go to and fro uh, like a, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may 
don't give him permission. Whom he may devour, do not give him permission. He says, may I, you say, no, you may not. And he wants to introduce something, you say, no, I don't want that. You, I want you to go, in this, no, I'm not going in that direction. Okay, but what helps us to do that, to say no, is to be educated by the Spirit of God that's drawing us. He enlightens us, okay, the word of the Lord that we can get in our hearts if we will give ourselves to it. Now, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth forth out of the mouth of God. We want not just some of the word, we want all the word. The writer told, uh, the angel told, uh, the angel told John the Revelator, he said, you eat the whole book. Don't just take part of the book, you get the whole book. And, and, and there is going to be a balance in the book. It's not all going to be sweet. There will be sweet, but not all going to be sweet. There's going to be some bitter. There's going to be a balance here. And you and I need that because we have to contend with the flesh. We have to contend with that which we must crucify, that which wants to rise up because the flesh is uh, used by the enemy. The nature of the flesh by itself is contrary to God. But how much more so when the enemy uses that to his ends. And the enemy's ends are always bad. They're always going to be uh, an eternal destruction here. So we don't want to get involved with the broad and the wide path, as the writer said, that leads to destruction. But we want to get in the spirit, as I said. We want to get out of the flesh. And we want to overcome the flesh with the spiritual side of this thing. And God is a spirit, 4 and 24 of John's writing. We want to yield to the spiritual side, to the spirit of the Lord. And we want him to begin to help us to overcome. We want him to bring the word into our lives. Draw us close. Draw us away from the things of the flesh. Draw us away from the things of the enemy. Draw us away from darkness and bring us into marvelous light. Bring us towards the things that are scriptural and eternal and right and godly and heavenly because it's for our good. He does this for our sakes, okay? God is looking at you as an individual and he knows your name, he knows everything about you and he has a burden for you. That's why he provided that flesh on the cross that if you would believe in him, believe in him as the scripture teaches you to believe in and on him. If you will do that, then you're going to have eternal life. You're going to have everlasting life. You're going to wind up in the right place for all of eternity. You've got to start getting conscious in your mind and raise your awareness level to what's going on in this world and all around you, that there is the small, lowercase g, common g, uh, God of this world who is shaping minds or hearts and going to gather them together as Gog and Magog from the four corners of the earth. He's going to bring his forces together in a one final attempt and thrust and to overcome God and all that is right and righteous. And he uses the treasures of this world to lure people, to get them excited about just like a fish sees that shiny little lure and he's attracted to it and goes to it. And you know, they said he'd never get caught if he didn't open his mouth. Well, in this case, we don't want to open our heart. We don't want to open our mind to the enemy. And of course, we're born in sin. Of course, we're shaping or misshapen in iniquity. And of course, we understand 
and we're behind the eight ball to begin with. But you and I have an opportunity here. We know that sin is what separated us from God. We get to a place where we know that. The Bible teaches it to us, and that's how we start learning. As Paul said, how would I have known that thou shalt not covet, except the word of God had taught me not to lust, and it's wrong not to have a strong desire for these things. There are people that are driven by lust, by strong desires to do things that are ungodly and unspiritual, and it, it gets them entangled and embroiled in the things of this life and causes them to miss opportunity after opportunity in finding God, finding truth, getting their, their compass set on heaven things, heavenly things. You've got to tell yourself, I'm no longer going to be all uh, mixed up in my mind and going in the wrong direction, that I'm going to let the Word of God open my understanding and teach me here that I can learn what's right and what's wrong. What did the writer was said? He said, you're going to teach my people the difference between the good and the evil, the bitter and the sweet, the right and the wrong, the light and the darkness. You're going to teach them so they can discern. Sometimes some things just aren't right. And you know, if you get an experience in God, now your experience in God needs to come, how do I get that in what is that? You get that from the Word of God. You don't get that from Sears and Roebuck catalogs, J.C. Penney catalogs. You're not going to find this in somebody's book that they wrote. I want the book that God wrote. He's the author and the finisher of the faith. And I want what's right in God's eyes. Okay? I want that. And I trust that you want that. The writer said, better is little with the fear of the Lord. We've got to find that reverence and that respect for God and the things of God, that we don't uh, just treat them lightly and out of hand and, and uh, that they're, they're not really important. We need to, of course, come to a place where the uh, importance of God's Word becomes re reality to us. It already is, and it is what it is, but we've got to get our understanding open to that. We've got to uh, become more conscious and raise, as I said, our awareness level and become cognizant that this, this, is, this is it. This is the right thing. And that's what the church is. Jesus started a church. He gave birth to a church, to a body of people, of believers, that, would, that did and will continue to come out of darkness and come into the marvelous light. And it is not just a one-shot deal here because you're taught once you get into this body of Christ by way of the born-again experience of water and of the Spirit. That is, that you get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you begin, uh, in, in the, so forth, in believing in your heart, you begin to confess with your mouth. In other words, in believing in your heart, then the Spirit of the Lord coming into that believing heart, He begins to speak forth in another language, using your tongue and your heart. And that becomes you confessing that He is Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And everybody said amen. There's no contradiction between the teachings in Romans and the experience in Acts chapter 2, 8, 10, and, 6, and 19. All of them are in conjunction. The Bible does, is not one thing against another here. That's carnal minds, and that's commentary, and that's theory that creates in people's hearts discrepancies and brings about all kinds of arguments. I tell you, if Peter, James, or John walked in here, they would get right behind this pulpit and preach Acts 2.38 to you and tell you that you would be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the 
with them. It was so every day with them that they referred to it in many ways, but in referring to it, they knew exactly what they were saying because that was the bottom line. That was what they brought to people. And people get confused when they say only believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only believe, but you've got to only believe what he's saying. And what he's telling you is to repent. What he's telling you is to believe the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Trying to open your understanding to that. You can uh, explain something many different ways, but it's always going to come down to the same bottom line, the same uh, foundationary explanation there and truth there. And there are people, and it is always going to be this way, that are going to be faced with truth over treasure. And that's to always be the choice every time truth over treasure you uh you can lie to yourself you can deceive yourself you can rationalize and you can uh, but you know to obey is better than all that to obey is better you know you can you can say well I'm, I'm gonna give money and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna give clothes and I'm, well, those are all nice things to do and there's nothing wrong with doing those things but they don't substitute. They do not substitute for obedience. They do not substitute for you and I coming before the Word of God and being honest-hearted about what it's saying and that we submit ourselves to it. We come, become obedient. When you've obeyed, the Bible said, from your heart, that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. And then another place said that God gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey Him and that He's going to return with vengeance and a flaming sword to get them that did not obey this gospel truth. And Paul said there's only one gospel and I don't care if an angel tells you there's another one. He said, you know that's an accursed angel then. That's just a, a, what the writer said, masquerading as a messenger of life. And, and you've got to discern. And that's what I'm telling you. The Word of God's going to teach you to know right from wrong. The Word of God's going to teach you to know what's God and what is not God. And what is spiritual and what is carnal. And what is somebody's flesh thus fighting and determined to have their way. You don't want your way. You want God's way. You want God's Word. You want God's message. It's so much better. <laughs> so much better. So much better. You want to get in the house of the Lord, and you can, you can, the enemy can, you know, beat you up and tell you that, uh, oh, the house of God is nothing, you know, going to church is nothing, all those things is nothing, and look what I have. Well, he took Jesus in the flesh. He took him to the top of the mountain, took him to the top of the pinnacle of the temple, and in each instance, he tempted him, and that's because he's the tempter. That's what he comes to do. And, he, and, he, and the way he gets you then is through you get drawn away of your own lust, your own strong desire that's in your flesh and your fleshly mind. And you begin to, as Eve did, look upon and say, hey, it looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks good to the carnal. Oh, yes, it does. It's going to look good to the flesh because the enemy's in perfect uh, harmony with the flesh. He knows what pushes the buttons. He knows what, what gets that brain all stirred up and get it going in that direction. And that's why he's the God of this world. And that's how he has gotten this world in a grip. Somebody said he's got the whole world in his hands. They should have been talking about the devil because he's got the whole world in his hands. God's got the church in his hands. 
He has the body of Christ. And the Bible said that he'll put you in a hand that no man will pluck you out of. I'm telling you, the church, God's people are in God's hands. And that's where you want to be. And that's where you want to stay. You want to stay there. You know, God's word means what it says. I've told you before, I, I uh, many times, but one particular incident, I remember um, that uh, we had a Spanish family that we were uh, trying to help, and they asked us to come over and, because people with the blue book, red book, green book, the purple book, they were coming by all the time, and the woman was very concerned about her mother. And um, so I went over there, and I brought a sister in the church who spoke Spanish and English. I speak Spanish and English, too. I speak bilingual, just neither one don't speak them too well. So I brought somebody that spoke them well. <laughs> and uh, so the, the lady with the blue and red and purple and green book, she's sitting there, and, and um, so I said, well, would you turn in your Bible that you have there along with all those books, and would you turn to chapter and verse so-and-so, and would you read it? And so she read it, and then she started in. Yes, but. Uh, yes, but. And I said, uh, when does it mean just exactly what it says? You know, you know. it's like my pastor said. He said, you know, you can say, I do this but, and I do this but, and I do that but. He said, it's time for you to get your butt out of the way. Now, that's only one T, and that means the exception. And it's time for you to get that exception out of the way, because I would live for God, but. I would, I would do what it says, but. You know, I would obey the pastor, but. You know, it's always that particular and once you start doing that it'll always be everything will become an exception but I tell you your Bible said you must be born again there is no exception there is no way around Jesus said I'm the door you come through me there is no sideways or overways you're a thief and a robber if you do that you don't want to classify yourself with the unrighteous you don't want to put yourself with the unrighteous comes a time when you got to look yourself in the mirror and try not to go away and forget what you're looking at because uh, you're looking at number one, public enemy number one when you when you see yourself in that mirror and you try you need to try to look into the word of God the perfect law of liberty like a like a mirror and and you need to see what's there and not walk away from it and start rationalizing with every step and start denying with every step but you need to face it and say, wait a minute, I'm going to stay right there. I'm going to face that enemy. I'm going to face myself. I'm going to face this situation. And I am going to obey. I am going to put this under my feet. I am not going to let me get away with it. Have you ever uh, had to try to teach a child or discipline a child? And, and at some point, you just have to come down to no means no. And what part of that word don't you understand? It's just two letters. And oh, no, maybe two letters, but it means something, and it should carry some weight with it. Well, let me tell you, we may be children grown up, but no hasn't changed. No still means no, and when God says no, then it's no. When God said it's unrighteous, it's unrighteous. When God said it's absolutely out left field, and you don't want to be involved with that, then that's what he means. And he's trying to direct us in the paths of righteousness. He's looking out as is, you know, what the, the writer Paul, the apostle, said in uh, Acts 
He said, I was with you at all seasons. You know, the pastor goes through it all with you. The highs and the lows. The goods and the bads. The happies and the not so happies. Okay? With you at all seasons. Well, that's the kind of God that we serve. And that's the church and that's the leadership. That's what it's about. That we go through it with you. We're going to be there with you on the boat when the storm hits real bad. And we're going to be there when the storm clears up and the sun starts shining. We're going to be with you when you're financially set and when you're not so financially set. We're going to be with you when you got the job and when you need the job. We're going to be there. Everybody said praise the Lord. Give God a big hand. Amen. Amen. And amen. You want to... Uh, Obey this good word of God. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without righteousness. Without righteousness. Not going to do you any good to uh, go through life and have everything except this beautiful truth. There are there are uh, biblical examples for you. The Bible teaches you in the gospel according to Luke, Luke's account of the gospel, that uh, there was a rich man and that he fared sumptuously every day. And But the day came for the rich man to die. And then he had to lift up his eyes in torment, being in the wrong place all of eternity. No way to escape. Now all of a sudden the treasures of this world and his memory that he will live with for all of eternity, the treasures of this world will seem like nothing as they truly are. That they come and they go and that they have no staying power. They, they truly do not appreciate. They do not grow in value. Now the world will tell you that some things do. But the, next to eternity, they do not. They do not. They, at that moment of death, all appreciation stops right there. It is not growing in value whatsoever. And you come to find out that it really didn't have so much value to begin with, only you didn't see it. And so you want to wake up to realize that better is a little with, with righteousness. Okay? Better is a little with righteousness. Better that you just have a little and have righteousness. Have the right, what did it say? Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And seek ye first, Matthew 6, 33, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. God will add every good thing, every necessary thing. He said, look, he said, the birds of the air, they have a place to nest, and they're taken care of. And he said, of how much more value are you? He said, I, your heavenly Father, the eternal spirit that inhabiteth all of eternity, your Father, he said, he, he knows what you have need of. He knows everything that you have need of. And he's going to see to your need. But you might want to learn the lesson of the little widow woman who being approached by the prophet and took inventory, and what have you got? She said, well, all I got is this little meal, and me and my boy are going to eat it, and that's going to be the end of it. We're just going to lay down and die. And the prophet said, well, I have a better plan. God always has a better plan. 
The Word of God is a much better plan. And the prophet just simply said, I'll tell you what you do. He said, you just fix me a double whopper on a nice crispy bun and put all the extra stuff on it and fix that for me. And he said, and everything will be fine. And so she fixed it up, flattened it out real good, put it on the bun. I didn't, you didn't know. That's how my wife makes hamburgers. Oh, my grandsons are here, and they don't know that either. <laughs> Too bad. What you don't know hurts you sometimes. All right, everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. Oh, look at all these fine young ladies, and we're glad they're here. Louise, you can't sit back there. Come on up here, girl. You're too pretty to sit back there. Yeah. Come on, come on, come on. We've got a whole pew, all of you. Come, bring them right in here. Good to see you in church again, girl. Getting kind of regular. I like that. All right. So, if you want to realize that there are uh, people who have grasped God's plan, and that is God first. You put God first. Put the spiritual first. Get things in the right priority. Don't get the cart before the horse. You want to get things in the right order. That's what we tell the young ladies. You get married first with the husband, and then you have the baby. Because that's how we count, right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You do things in order. The Bible said do everything decently in order. Guys, first you become a husband before you get the privileges of a husband. Give God a big hand, ladies. And then, and everybody. Oh, brother, don't let it get quiet on me now. Okay. So you, you learn here that God's setting a precedent. He's setting uh, something for you in order here that you want to learn. You want to get the secret thing of God. God has some secrets. He's got some trade secrets, if you please. He, he wants to, uh, what did it say, commit these things unto faithful men? You don't, God's just not going to give the inside of the inside of the inside to just anybody. You're going to, he makes it available, but you're going to have to do what's required of you. And there is a requirement. And as I said, number one, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. You must be baptized in Jesus' name, and you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That places you in the body of Christ. That puts you right in there with Peter and James and John and Mary, the mother of that flesh, and the other devout women, and countless others from that moment to right this split second that have come into the body of Christ, the, the multiplied unknown number that are in the grave waiting to hear his voice and rise to everlasting life, as well as those that are right here presently uh, operating, working for God this split second. They're going to be caught up together with the Lord, and so shall we ever be. But you've got to get in it and you get in it through the born-again experience. You repent. You get baptized in Jesus' name, and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the entrance in, an abundant entrance that he made for you to come in to the body of Christ, into what he's doing. And it's by his plan. It's by his words. And you learn that, and you begin to choose that over everything else. But I could be on, uh, what's it called, American Idol? I could be on American Idol. So what? Does that have any spiritual value to it? You think that's going, somebody said, I'm going to go to Israel, and I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And why? You think that's going to make you any holier? You think that's going to make you closer to God? You could go up to the top of Mount Everest, get you a bottle of oxygen, and get all the way up there. But that's not going to get you closer to God. That's not, that's not what God teaches on how to get closer to Him. We, you, man can dream up all kinds of ways and ideas about things. You know, there are people that tell you just shake somebody's hand. 
accept Christ as your personal Savior. But that's not in the Bible. People just come up with their own ideas. People talk about three works of grace, but I don't read that in the Bible. I read God's got a, He's got grace, and it's a work, but I'll tell you one, and that's kind of odd, isn't it, because people say you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace. You're saved. And, and you know what? We are. It's not by what kind of works, though. That's the problem. Nobody goes back to the Word of God and gets the subject matter and find out that it's works of the law and works of the flesh that, that don't save you and works of so-called righteousness. What I said, you could go feed the poor and do all nice things to do, but it's not got anything to do with salvation. It hasn't got a thing in the world to do with it. You could do all of that. You could, you could absolutely feed all every poor mouth. And Jesus said, actually, you're not going to be able to. He said, you're always going to have the poor with you. It's just a fact of, of life. And that's why one president said um, that God must love the poor because he made so many of us. Okay? So uh, whatever. But you know what? I don't care if I'm poor in this world. I just want to be rich in faith. God's chosen the rich in faith. Let me be rich in faith. Let me be rich in the Word of God. Let me be rich in the plan of God, the program of God. Let me be about my Father's business. Let me be rich in that. Let me be filled with that. Everybody said amen. I like where you're sitting. I'm going to give you an extra hour. Give God a big hand. Amen. 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 So better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without it. One, one fellow said, uh, I've got, uh, I got a barn, and my barn is stuffed. And he got to contemplating about it. One, one woman called me one night. She said she had a bad experience, and she said, uh, if I just went and sat down on my couch and just decided, I'd let me think about it. Let me, let me get my thoughts together. Well, I guess that's what the rich man did because he kicked back and he began to contemplate about it, began to think about it. He began, to, he began to say, you know what? He said, my barn is full. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear it down, and I'm going to build a bigger barn. Going to build a bigger barn. And the uh, problem was he, he wasn't tuned into God's plan. He hadn't been getting his education from the Word of God. He hasn't been getting that insight. He hadn't awakened to righteousness yet and stopped sinning. And consequently, the uh, voice of the Lord came through and said, Thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. You're not even going to get the hammer and the nail out, the board. You're not going to get to draft the plan. Call the architect or plan review or any of those inspectors. It ain't going to happen because this night thy soul is required of thee. Chose the treasure over the truth, didn't it? Chose the treasure over the truth. But let us take an example here right straight from the word of God. A fellow by the name of Moses. Boy, did he learn his lesson. He came out one day under his own steam. He'd just been working out, pumping the iron. Had it all just bulging everywhere. Stepped out there, was feeling, I got this. And so saw two folks fighting. And one was an Egyptian. One was a Hebrew. And so he separated them. And the Egyptian guy tried to come back. And he crocked them real good. Crocked them so good he killed them. I guess that iron was working. And uh, he looked at that and said, ooh. So he kicked some sand over. Bury that. Go bury my sand. Not without the name of Jesus, you know. That's what, that's what baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is for. One thing. It is for the remission, for the full pardon, and the sending away, and remembrance no more of your sin. But you see, a lot of people trying to kick sand over it. A lot of people trying to do it their own way. Whether it's the first time or they're supposedly in the body of Christ and they're doing things wrong and have done things wrong and they're trying to get it covered up their own way 
But woe to them that cover with a covering that is not of my spirit, saith the Lord. Woe to those rebellious people that go down to the world and do it the worldly way, the Egyptian way. Woe to them. No, we want God's way. We want God's covering. That's why he came in the flesh, one reason, and gave that flesh on the cross as a sacrifice and shed that blood because nothing can cover you but the blood. Nothing can get rid of your sin but the blood. You hear me? It don't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you try to do. You just don't realize how much you got when you got baptized in Jesus' name. Man, it's, it's one more deal, let me tell you. You can drag your old nasty, muddy carcass right across the floor and leave a trail that a blind man could follow. But I want you to know Jesus Christ said, I can wipe it out. I can wipe it out. Every bad thought, every wrong thing, every wrong word, every wrong attitude, every wrong deed, I can wipe it out. Send it away and be found no more. Amen. You could call in the, you could call in the, the, the best bloodhound you could, with the most sensitive nose. You could, you could bring in uh, the swab and look for the residue. You could bring in all kinds of machinery, but you will not find the sin of somebody who has been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It's gone. Far, far as east is from the west. It's gone. 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 How important it is to obey the word of God and to follow what it says. And so Moses went back home feeling pretty good that night. I did a good deed. I did a good job. Back out again. Let's go see about that again. Finds two fighting again. Just about the same place, same thing, except he's with two Israelites. And uh, separates them. He said, Why are you fighting your brothers? And the one said, Oh, you're going to kill me like you did that Egyptian the other day? Both said, I'm out of here. Forty years in the desert, right there. Because his sin was found out. You can't cover it. You can't do it yourself. Ain't going to work. Ain't going to work. You go ahead and get that, that mineral spirits out. It ain't going to work. Mm -hmm. Get that spot remover out. It ain't going to work. Try anything you want to try. Bury yourself in any kind of anything. And use everything you can to deny and to ignore. Bury yourself. Dig a hole and bury it. But it's not going to. Well, all of a sudden, rigor mortis sets in. And that Egyptian sat up. Everybody's going, oh, what's that? Oh, that's Moses' sin. Where's Moses? Oh, he's out in the desert. Been there quite a few years now. Forty years. Found out you can't do it your way. But now today I'm going to show you my way. I'm going to show you the godly way. I'm going to show you the way that we're going to give you an insight to the trade secret here. I'm going to give you a little insight. And so, of course, God appeared unto Moses in the burning bush. And uh, in so doing, uh, he set him straight right away about holiness. He said, Get your shoes off. He said, you're on holy ground. Now, you know, when you get involved with the, the work of God in your life, to where he said, we're going to clean up the inside of the cup first, and then the outside. So we're going to, to get to the root of things. Out of the heart, right here, the seat of your thoughts, your intellect, and your emotions, we're going to clean that up. We're going to have a big house cleaning. Talk about spring cleaning. Well, this is eternal cleaning. We're going to clean this situation up. And 
when God does that and he gets all that nasty out of there, then it begins to produce something on the outside that reflects the good that has taken place on the inside. You realize that spring, oh, that seems so far away, and I'm hoping it's close, that when spring is very often already in effect, that's why you see me going all over town with a microscope looking for them little buds. Because if I see those buds, and I, it's kind of like the groundhog. I know certain things happen. <laughs> and, oh, the bud is there. Well, the bud is telling me that spring's already in effect. It's already taking place. Something took place, and it's on the inside, and now it's producing the little bud on the outside. And your Bible tells you that Jesus cursed the tree one day because it did not have promise of fruit. It had no little buds. had nothing there. And so Jesus cursed it, and it withered away and died. He wants you to show, to give him a little hint, raise your eyebrow, do something, that I'm listening, I'm, I'm hungry, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and I'm showing you promise of me doing this. I'm not just saying words in a New Year's resolution here. I'm, I'm making steps. I'm, I'm getting, so get your shoes off, Moses. You're on holy ground. Well, you've got to remove some things from your life. You've got to be willing to let loose and turn loose of some things and say no to it. You've got to ask God to give you His grace, to give you that strength as you're believing so that you can defeat whatever unbelief is still coming against you. Help my unbelief. Help me. And don't always blame the devil. You heard about the, the devil, didn't you? He was sitting on the log one day and he's crying. He's whittling. <laughs> they just boohooing all over. Big old alligator. <laughs> Poor old me. And so they stopped by, and somebody said, Hey, devil, what's, what's from? He said, Well, them folks back at the church, he said, They blame me for things I didn't do. You don't blame the devil for everything. You might want to take have a little accountability here. You know, a little, a little responsibility. Take responsibility for a few things. You know, that you just need to get yourself to that altar of repentance and say, I did it. We always used to tell the funny one about, we had a young man about this high, and he was about nine years old, about that wide. He was just really stout. And he, uh, my, my wife was teaching a learning center downstairs where the kitchen is now. And I don't know, she probably had about 18 kids in there, and uh, everybody has their office around the wall, and, and uh, the other learning centers were full. And so uh, every day, somebody had too many beans, every day. Every day. It almost got to be the same time every day. And all of a sudden, the door would slam open, and everybody would go, ah, and they'd all go running out. And one day I said, what's wrong? He said, well, somebody brought the wrong kind of wind around here. And uh, you know, breaking wind is in the Bible. Did you know that? It actually says that. And I want you to know that. And so one, every, everybody said no. You know, who did that? Wasn't me. Wasn't me. That's where that came from. Wasn't me. <laughs> and so uh, one day uh, it happened, and uh, everybody was like, oh, no, because I think it was the second time that day. Everybody said, oh, not again. They threw their pencils down. They all stood up. They're all just miserable. And, and they're going, who did that? Who did that? Who did that? And so I forgot to tell you, all these kids were like seven to nine years old, maybe, maybe ten. And uh, one of them finally stood up. That 
he just said, all right, all right. He said, I did it. I admit it. I did it. <laughs> I don't know that that made anybody feel any better, but there it was truly out in the open. So, <laughs> so I'm saying sometimes it's really smart of you and wise of you. And isn't it nice you don't have to tell everybody else? You can just tell God. You can, you can just come clean. You can just go right to him and say, okay, God, I did it. I'm the low down, no good, dirty, nasty, rotten thing here, and I did it. I did it. And God's going to help you as you approach him who is holy and holy ground. He's going to help you to put off some things, get rid of some things, distance yourself from some things. That's what repentance is all about, that you're going to, what did it say? They came and they brought $50,000 worth of books and burnt them. I'm not telling you to go run and, 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 and get a book and burn it. I'm not trying to say that to you. This was what took place. And in some cases, though, I would tell. Some people need to reach under the bed, the bathroom, those places where those things seem to wind up. And uh, you do need to burn them. You do need to burn them or shred them. That'll work. But uh, some people certainly need to do those things. Uh, and and if, if you can't go online without looking at those kind of things, then you might want to burn your computer. Call Brandon. He'll show you how to crash and burn it. does it all the time. Okay? My grandson said the other day, he said, what would you call Brandon over here for? He said, I could have done it. Well, I can't help if everybody's so computer literate. What can I say? I'm illiterate. I have trouble just turning the thing on. But I am telling you that if you find you have a weakness, and the enemy exploits that weakness in your life, then you, you need to get rid of it. If you can't live with it and do the right thing with it, then you need to get rid of it. It's just that simple. Because you want to choose truth over the treasure. Whatever this world holds up as being so great and so cool and so awesome and so down with it, if it's absolutely sometimes literally going to be down with it, and you don't want that. And so you've got to cut it off. You've got to obey this word that tells you better is a little with righteousness, with the right thing in God's eyes, doing it the right way in God's eyes, than great revenue without right or without righteousness. And this guy said, I'm going to build my barn bigger. I'm going to have great revenue. It's all, oh, I'm stuffing my life with everything. And isn't that what happened to cause that young man? to turn and go away from Jesus, very sorrowful, in the face of, there is the Savior. He is right in front of him. What all God in the flesh could have done for that young person? And that young person said, oh, but I got to have my rock music. I got to have my styles of the world. I got to have that girl. I got to have that guy, or maybe it's guys. It depends how trampy the devil wants to get with you, huh? I'm on your nerve, and that means your nerve's up at the surface where it's, I'm getting on it. Amen. You just tell yourself, dear God, it's better for me to just have, to do without some things, to cut off some things, and have you, and have what's righteous, and make heaven my home. But I don't want to find myself. There's nothing worth finding myself in that place called hell in that lake of fire 
where I will be for all of eternity and that I have no way out. I'm telling you, you think of your worst nightmare and you just multiply that by about 600 billion and you might even start getting close to how bad it's going to be to be without Jesus for all of eternity, without his presence, that there'll be no Jesus there whatsoever. Oh, no. We want to listen to what happened to Moses. Moses said, I choose Jesus over all the treasure. I could have anything. I'm Pharaoh's son. I could have anything. I could have the best vehicle, the biggest. I could have 30-inch wheels. And I could have them spinners, you know, spokes. Man, I could have the, the biggest speakers, because I want to go deaf real early. But I could have the speakers, you know, and I could have all the the music, I could crack every window in town. Oh, yeah. Have it all. Oh, I could have all the, the things that the fashion world offers and all the paint and all the look and all the style. I could do everything they do and go wherever they go. Like somebody told me the other day, I said, what does so-and-so do? He says, whatever he wants. Yeah, well, whatever you want, you better get your want in the proper perspective here priority and say, you know, what I want is Jesus. And that's what that's what Moses did. He esteemed the reproach of Christ, the cross, if you please, of Christ. Because the writer was looking back and, and looking at this thing and explaining, he chose that over all the treasure. He chose the truth over all the treasures of Egypt. Egypt is the world. He chose that. He said, I, I can have it all. Well, isn't that what the devil said to the flesh? He said, all the treasures, all the it's my power to give to you. Just fall down and worship me. Just start doing my way. Just follow me. Worship me. Sing my praises. Say I'm the best. He said, no, it is written. Here comes that word of God. All of a sudden, I want you to know Jesus Christ pulled out the big sword. Man, got it in two hands. Shining, furbished, glistening, sharper than any two-edged sword. And he started waving that around, and the old devil started backing up. And Jesus said, it is written, you don't serve anybody but the Lord our God and him only. Man, I want you to know old Satan started running. He'd got beat at every turn. He'd got chapter and verse at every turn, and that's why he hates the word of God. And when Jesus returns, he's coming back, the Bible said, with his called, chosen, and faithful people. And out of his mouth is that sword of the Spirit. And on his vesture says the Word of God. I'm telling you something. You want to tell yourself, I'd rather be in God's house and do without anything else than have everything else and be outside of God's house. I want to choose God here. I'm choosing truth. I'm going to choose truth. All right? Everybody said amen. I'm going to choose truth. That's what I'm going to choose. Better to have that even if it would seem to some people to be a little better to have. I tell you, though, I believe having it is more than anything this world could offer you. Anything. Everybody said amen. amen. Really what it boils down to, it's better to have little of the world and have a whole bunch of God. And that's so much better. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. Take it all up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on, let's work. Come on now.
Oh, we're going to worship him. Let's lift our hearts. Come on, with our hands. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my father. And I don't have to want for anything. He's my father, great provider. And I don't have to want for anything. Oh, I don't have to want for anything. Oh, I don't have to want for him, Lord. He's my shepherd. He's my father. And I don't have to want for anything. He's my father, great provider. And I don't have to want for anything. Oh, I don't have to want for I never have to want 
He's 